Hello guys and welcome to another Lockdown Live. It's been a, a week or two since I've done one of these. Um, certain things with work and, and even the football coming back has kind of taken a bit of my time. But I'm really pleased to, to get back to these. I've got, got a few more lined up. Um, so yeah, so I'm really excited. So I want to introduce you to today's guest, which is Atul Kocha, who is a celebrity Michelin chef. Um, one of the first Asian uh, Michelin chefs in um, the United Kingdom. I was lucky enough to work with him um, when I did a project for Thames Water um, around Diwali a couple of years ago, where we were talking about kind of what not to um, pour down sinks. And, and, and Atul gave some really good tips about kind of what to do with your fat and oil and, and grease after you've cooked. So, and, and hearing it from someone like him, who's a professional, is probably... It, 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 it makes a big difference rather than hearing it from someone like me who maybe <laughs> nobody will take any notice of. So, Atul, how are you? How's lockdown been for you? I'm good, Akhil. Uh, lockdown financially uh, and morally has been very painful, I'll be honest. I won't mince my words on that. And, you know, uh, professionally, I think it's been kind of, you, there was nothing. You, you were kind of in a jail. So whenever you are in a tough situation, I think your inner self kicks in and you've got to self-motivate. Mm. And I've always been good at that for some reason. Maybe being a chef, you have to do that. <laughs> uh, and I, I kind of just said, carry on, get on with whatever you have in front of you. So I, uh, there, was, there were positives and negatives and, and both had their own benefit and disadvantages, I guess. Uh, the biggest benefit was I could get time with family which uh, I normally don't because of my work schedule. Uh, and I, I made most of it, to be honest, caught up with them. And, you know, it was good to be around kids and uh, mess around the way I used to do when they were little. Yeah. They are both teenagers now. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was uh, kind of a bit of a shock to understand that I can't keep up with them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't say I'm old, but I just couldn't keep up with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, but I, I started doing uh, chats with people on Instagram and WhatsApp, catching up with lots of friends, which, you know, I always kind of admired lots of chefs and wanted to talk to them and never got around to do that. So all, this, this time gave me opportunity to do that, which yeah. motivated me a lot. And I, I, I would say as things are easing off, uh, I'm coming out of the channel a bit wiser. That's what I would like to think. And I've watched some of your chats on Instagram and stuff, actually, and they have been very interesting. And I think it just, uh, I think as well, a lot of people have had time to maybe experiment with cooking and things. I mean, I can't cook, but even I've been, I made my own pizzas two weeks ago, which for me well is done. a big achievement, you know, <laughs> making the dough and everything. It was, I was very proud of myself. So I think your, your videos have certainly been, been, been useful. And then from a kind of business sense, how's it been for you? Obviously having a, a restaurant, fairly new in, in Mayfair and, and things like that. How has it affected you in that way? It was painful, you know, uh, when, when Boris Johnson uh, told the world or told the United Kingdom that uh, don't go to the restaurant on 13th of March. Uh, that was the most grueling time for the entire hospitality industry because government took about a week before yeah. they stepped in to say, okay, shut down and don't do anything. And we will, we will look after everything from here on. That one week actually, I think, kind of destroyed the industry, which is really sad. I wish he had done it on 13th itself. So, but after that, you know, while we knew that uh, staff is on furlough and they are looked after uh, as, as a business owner, as, as a patron of the business, I still had 
other expenses on my head. Uh, like landlord wouldn't go away, yeah. for example. And all the debt I have from all the suppliers, that wouldn't go away. I have to pay them if I want to come back and work in the industry again and respectfully. Uh, so uh, those were worries, to be honest. And uh, first few weeks were quite muddled up. I didn't know uh, whether I should say thank you to the government or cry on the fate we have in front of us. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I gathered myself very quickly. I said, look, I'm not alone in this. Uh, everyone is in, in it together. Uh, there will be consequences and let's prepare ourselves best for it. And if you prepare yourself from within, uh, you will come out stronger morally and physically as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of uh, started talking a plan out that what will happen in you know, four or five different scenarios and started discussing with uh, peers in the industry, my friends, my business partners, and it gave me a lot of insight. But about eight, nine weeks into it, uh, I got completely fed up sitting at home and I said, okay, we got to step out and do what we do best and that is cook. So we wanted to do for several reasons. We wanted to get in and uh, cook for uh, the key workers and also people who are uh, kind of bored sitting and eating at home. They want to get out and get some food. So we, we opened our restaurants, three of them for delivery, but one after the other. So it took about three weeks for all of them to come around. And I think since then, life has been very busy because most of the staff is on furlough. Yeah. And for me to run around among three restaurants and manage everything <laughs> has been a bit tough. Yeah. Uh, so I, I told, my wife was saying that you know, I have not seen you for weeks now, uh, but you know, I chose to mm-hmm. open the restaurants and they need me because we are pretty much a couple of chefs in every kitchen. And so I had to rotate myself uh, from one mm. place to the other on the busy days to make sure that everything is running well. Mm. I mean, we, we, we sort of joke about it in our house, actually, that takeaways for a while was, was the only thing we had to look forward to because we would, we would be working during the week, get to Friday, and usually you're, you're excited for the weekend. But then we would look at each other and think, right, so what are we going to do this weekend? We're going to do the same thing we did the last weekend. We've, we've cleared the cupboard now. We've done that cupboard. We've done, this, you know, <laughs> we'll watch, we've watched most things on Netflix. So takeaways actually are what kept us going. That was our exciting, oh, what should we get Saturday for a takeaway? And actually, in a funny way, that, that was for a lot of people. I'm sure there's lots out there who, who have the same sort of thing. So, yeah, I certainly think you sort of made the, made the right call there. Um, thinking about sort of your career, and I don't want to go into it massively, but do you remember the moment, maybe when, when you were young, where you thought cooking, chef, this is for me? Just something clicked or was there a moment? Was there something someone said? Like, or was it just a gradual kind of you got into it? A couple of times, you know, this happened and I felt that actually I'm, I'm quite good. Uh, and one thing our parents taught us that you're never going to compare yourself with anyone. If at all you have to do better in life, then you have to beat yourself what you were yesterday. You have to be better today and then better than today, you have to be better tomorrow. So I had always followed that route. So uh, at home, you don't realize it because you are surrounded by your own people and (laughs) you you get more slagging than (laughs) any appreciation, (laughs) especially when you you have four older sisters. (laughs) So so I, I, you know, whatever I did, they said, yeah, yeah, you'll get there one day. That, that was the tone I got from did my you, sister. Did you even get a chance to talk with four older sisters? <laughs> I, mean, I, I can imagine. 
I honestly wanted to start my own Me Too movement that time. <laughs> it was that tough. So, uh, but when I went to college, uh, and you you were uh, with your with your own mates, and you were cooking mm. together, and you know, without telling anyone or being a loudmouth, you compare that how you are doing compared to others. Yeah. And and you feel it. You feel it that if you have a difference from others' point of view, and I always felt that I saw food very differently than others. And I, I had kind of call it inborn, but my grandfather was a baker. My father had a catering business, so perhaps it's in my genes. Uh, I had that kind of something that clicks with food. Uh, and that gave me confidence that, you know, I should not deviate and should stay with the kitchen rather than uh, contemplate to go to the front of the house or any other part of the hotel. And that that became a huge motivation and finally you know that is something that makes me happy every day now in fact it's it's one of the sort of people i've looked up to is is the former arsenal manager arson wenger and he always used to say what your parents said that you want today to be better than yesterday so you want to just improve slightly every day it comes to a stage where maybe you can't improve any much longer but that's right at the end of your career not not in the middle or the start so Absolutely. actually that's that's really good advice um what's pressure in your kind of role now i mean is 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 it's it's a funny word pressure but i mean you know someone as successful as you and as good as you i'm sure you still feel under pressure but what sort of situations are pressure for you uh <laughs> Lots of them. So you wake up, wake, waking up in the morning and getting kids ready for school and giving them breakfast is a pressure. <laughs> you, because I'm the designated breakfast cook at home. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of pressure in the morning. Uh, but as, as day goes by, I think there, there are pressure moments, you know, and, and there is a release also on that. So I think you get used to it when you know that situation is coming and you control yourself. If you panic, uh, you make the situation worse for yourself. That's what I've noticed. And uh, I'll, I'll share this uh, because I, I laugh at my own actions. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'm a little late to wake up. I'm the first one to wake up in the house, but I'm a little late to wake up 15, 20 minutes. And that's a lot of pressure because you only have an hour yeah. uh, with your kids in the morning and you have to feed them and pack their lunches and give them. And I, I realized that, you know, I become very patchy because I get confused because I have not kept my time. Mm. So if, if you go organize and you plan it in advance and you know when your pressure moments are going to come, because you are planned and you're organized, you see them through more easily. So that, that peak doesn't come. It kind of comes, mm. but not that high. Yeah. And I, I've kind of trained myself to see things which are going to come in recent future. Uh, and handle them well. But there are times when you you can do nothing and somebody else puts that on your plate and you have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. You just get on with it, deal with it. So one thing I've learned is never cool your head, uh, never lose your head. Uh, stay mm. cool and you will deal with any kind of pressure more easily. Yeah, nice. Um, in every industry, every career, every lifetime, everyone has highs, everyone has lows. Is there any particular highs that you could think about? And it doesn't have to be a big when you opened a Mayfair restaurant. It can be even a small thing when someone said something really nice to you and it made a difference, anything at all. Is there anything you can kind of pick out? Uh, you know, uh, I have no shame in accepting that, you know, the, the improving life economically was the biggest pleasure to be honest. 
uh, and that was I'm talking about India. Mm. My family uh, was very basic, and we we had a lot of lot of financial pressure. And when I started earning better and started doing well, to be able to give them all those worldly pleasure were the best thing that I've achieved in my life. Uh, looking back, I think I'm I'm, the, I'm most proud of being able to give my parents a good old age. Uh, rest everything comes and goes, but you know uh, your parents don't happen twice in life. So I'm I'm kind of personally feel very accomplished and very proud that I could give that to my parents. That's nice. And with with highs, obviously come lows. We all we all suffer from lows. Is there any particular lows that you can think of that were tough? Um, and how did you kind of recover from it and respond to it? So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's nothing hidden. It's all there now. Uh, the lowest uh, my life got was when I had the Twitter accident. We spoke and about it when we met, actually. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's right. Dubai. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what I realized that I made a mistake of writing something uh, which kind of went in the wrong way out of my hand and I'm not that kind of person. It happened. Mm. And uh, I, I got lots of PR and media advice on that because advice was the cheapest thing you could get that time. Mm. Uh, and people said, you can just lie your way out of it. Mm. And I'm not that kind of person. I made a mistake. I'm strong enough to say I made a mistake and I'm sorry. And that's what I did. I paid a price for it. And sometimes I look back and I think it was an unproportionate response to uh, to a mistake. Uh, in a, yes, people were obnoxious to me uh, in person or also on social media. But the most obnoxious thing that happened to me that uh, my business partner saw the opportunity to cheat me and you know, took an advantage of a contract which he could that time clearly. And before that, he was the one who was hovering around me because without me, his business wouldn't happen. But he saw the opportunity that he can, he can take the business off my hands and he did. That was very hurting because when you love someone like your family, like your brother, and he turns around and stabs you on the back, it hurts for a very long time. Mm. It, it still hurts, to be honest. I, I'm not sad that he took away Bernardus from me. I'm sad that the way he took it away from me. Mm. Uh, I wish he had told me more openly that this is what he wishes to do and he wants it. I would have given it to him happily. I think the method was wrong. Uh, and... I went through a kind of depression that time and I, I felt it that what happens when people are having mental illness and what depression means actually. Mm. But what got me out of it is being positive and my family. I think my kids were the biggest hook to me, to be honest. They were the ones who brought me out. Uh, and I, I just told myself, I said, look, you know, this is just a bend, not the end. Just get on with it. Uh, things will be okay. And uh, truly speaking, that's what has happened. You know, uh, somebody's kind of took away my uh, life's earning, but there was another great opportunity just one month away from all that. And life just changed suddenly. And I met some wonderful people who came along and said, look, things happen, move on, and we will be good together again. And things went on. And to be honest, I, I thank God. I thank that Al Almighty, thank that supreme power that you know he gave me this uh this mind to be honest because that mind is mind is the center of everything mm. that i try to remain positive and no matter how harsh life is and if you start thinking positive and you keep telling yourself it'll be okay you keep doing the right thing of course 
don't do wrong thing. If you do wrong thing, accept it and try to correct it. But don't do anything wrong. Don't try to hurt anyone purposely. Uh, and if you did, make sure you make a mend on that and have a reason that why that happened. Uh, and life turns around and life gives you ample opportunities to correct things and be a better human. And if you don't take it, then I'm really sorry, <laughs> then you don't deserve to be called a human. Yeah. Uh, but if you made a mistake, be a human and accept it that you made a mistake and you will mm. not do it again. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, in life, nobody, nobody does something wrong on purpose. You know, we, we all make mistakes, we're all human, but nobody does it on purpose. And I think, like you said, uh, admitting it is, 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 is a good way. And obviously in, in my industry, I work in social media and PR and especially on social media. Like it, it's, it, it, I know that that instant was on Twitter and it's in 140 characters as it was then, it's a 280 now. But it's very hard to explain context and it's very it's it's perceived things can be perceived very differently and i always advise people that if you are gonna talk about something sensitive maybe do a video on it where you can actually expand rather than a tweet because it, it's difficult and obviously you sort of learned the hard Absolutely. way but i, I but learned the hard way that's mm. true that's but, true but, but you learned and it was it. you know i i, I never uh, just as a as a personal rule i never comment on politics i never comment mm. on uh, religion. Uh, I I kind of don't get into any fights with anyone. That's not my nature. Yeah. Food is my area of expertise and family. Those are the two things I passionately yeah. love. And I just try to stay within that. Mm. But it, mistake happened. And, you know, to be honest, Akhil, if I had not accepted that this mistake has happened, uh, I would have lived with that guilt all my life. Mm. And I, I rather took that pain, what I got, than live with that guilt because yeah. I'm much, much happier and much saner person today than I would have been if I had lied about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, if, if, funny enough, there's a trend with a few people that I've, I've done these interviews with and they've all talked about having people around you that you can rely on and love you and you love. So you mentioned your kids got you through it, but everyone always says you can't do it alone. You need that group who are going to tell you if you're wrong, but who are also going to help you get through those lows. I think that's that's really important as well. What motivates you? So considering, and I'm thinking about you now as, as, as you know, a celebrity chef. I've seen you on TV a lot. You know, people kind of adore you. You do a lot of work. You, for, for, for someone looking from outside, you've been there and done it. You know, you, you are at the top of your industry. But what motivates you? What gets you out of bed every day? What, you know, what makes you keep going? I think passion... Uh passion for food, passion to succeed. Uh, and basically, you know, my, my father always said, if you are hunting or you're looking for success, it's not a, des it's not a destination, it's a journey. Mm. And I have made that my motto, that I'm on a journey and I'll, I'm going to remain on that journey. Uh, and also, whatever I was yesterday, I want to be better today and much better tomorrow. And I think I'm, I'm genuinely passionate about people. Uh, people who want to achieve something, want to get somewhere, uh, want to do something different in life. I'm really passionate about them. And through my work, I always try to help people. And lately, uh, after going through my own mental depression cycle, I have become hugely passionate about helping those who really need us. Uh, I, I never, to be honest, knew that a person could be going through such a tough time in his mind. He might be working next to you all 14, 16 hours and 
you know, everybody's busy and you don't get a chance to ask them, how are you doing, buddy? Everything okay? Because we all are sucked up into our work. So I, I made it a point after that, that I'm going to make sure that well-being of my fellow team members, I'm, I'm going to be very passionate about and look after them. And anybody ever in my life, I could come across and meet them and help, could help them. I would do that. But welfare for my team workers has been my biggest thing, to be honest, ever since I've got back in the game again. And I don't want anybody to go through mental depression. That's, yeah. that's the worst thing that can happen to anyone. And at the moment, it's so topical as well with people in lockdown and potentially lonely as well. So I think it's there's lots of good it's resources out there for people. There's you know, the charity mind do do some really good stuff on things like that. I think very very basic thing that you can just put a hand on somebody's shoulder and say, "Are you all right, my brother? Are you okay, mm. my bud?" And you know the whole thing will just get drained out of him, and he will kind of that might be a release button, and he may just want it to talk to somebody and tell what's happening to him and that might be his release and he, he'll just go back to being a normal person again mm. and sometimes we don't allow that release to happen by piling on more pressure you know oh you're being slow get on mm. with it we got a service to run all those things happens and happened as well and will keep happening but if we keep this in mind that there might be a lot going on through that person mm. and we can reach out and find out if he's okay that that might just uh, improve everything for him yeah yeah, that's definitely a good way of looking at it, actually. Performance drops, maybe look at potentially the person and why it might have dropped rather than blaming them because helping Absolutely. them get through it will actually improve performance again. So, yeah, definitely right. What, what tip, just a final question or two now, but what tip would you give someone young who is into your, sort of your industry, into cooking, you know, and I'm talking maybe a teenager who enjoys it, what sort of tip would you give them to kind of improve and, and just, you know, follow their passion and go into something like you've gone into and in being a chef? So if they're going to have a journey into, into the food industry and especially through the kitchens or even the front of the house, mm. uh, my advice to them would be while you're young and you can do a lot of hours and you can push yourself, go and learn from as many people as you can because there is a phase in life when you can do this. And then comes a time when you have your own responsibility on your shoulders. And then, then you're kind of tied to that place or your organization because you've got to do what you're doing. And then all that experimentation uh, desires just go away because you don't do it because you have to focus on something different. So learn as much as you can. Learning never stops, okay? Even at this age, and I'm 51 now, and I, I still learn every day. But that freedom is not there. You know, if I, if I wanted to just pack my bags today and go and work with a chef in Australia for a, for a year, I just couldn't do it. I have mm. my commitments and I need to be around here. But do it when you can do it because mm. that time will never come back. Mm. And what's the dream for you now? Do you have any dreams left to fulfill? Or, I mean, improving every day and stuff, yeah. But is there any kind of dreams you have? Like, it could be... And so I, I asked this to uh, Nina Vardia a few weeks ago in her interview. And her dream was she wants to be in a, a police drama with a gun. It was just something she's never done. She just wants to do it. It could be, any, it could be silly. It could be serious. It could be anything you want. But just what's the dream for you now? Uh, my, my dream is uh, my kids are teenagers. And uh, before they hit the university, uh, I want to backpack with them uh, and go to South America, uh, yeah. especially Peru, and oh, travel wow. through Peru and also go to Machu Picchu with them. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife, we want to do this. Uh, but that will take a lot of 
strength and courage and physical training, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a dream which I want to fulfill mm. and eat around the world with them, to be honest, because, you know, I know once they can do into their lives, they will have their own commitments. Mm. But before they do all that, I, I just want to go and mm. eat in world's best restaurants with them. Yeah, nice. And very final question, I guess. It, I've had quite a few people. I mean, we obviously did um, a charity gala event last October, which you kindly donated a prize which was obviously a meal for two at your restaurants and stuff like that. And I have actually had people since ask about kind of your restaurants. Obviously you mentioned one of them that you're not involved in anymore, but just for clarity, which restaurants do you have? What are you involved in? Where can people kind of find them? So uh, let's clarify one thing. I'm not at Banaras anymore. I left Banaras in 2018 and moved out in 2019. I opened another restaurant in Mayfair, not very far from Banaras called Kanishka. Uh, Kanishka is on Maddox Street, and that's my main restaurant in London. There will be another second restaurant next year, which will be called oh, wow. Mathura. Uh, okay. That will be in Westminster. Oh, wow. Uh, not, very, not very far from Parliament. So it's quite, quite a fantastic location. Nice location. And outside London, just, just on the periphery, I have uh, Hawkins in Emersham, in the Crown Inn on the High Street uh, in Old Town. Okay. Uh, I have uh, Sindhu uh, in Marlow. Uh, in Complete Angler Hotel. Okay. But on Marlow High Street, I've just acquired another site where we'll be opening a restaurant called Vasu, which will be North Indian Eatery. Okay. And I have uh, another North Indian Eatery in uh, Bromley called Indian Essence. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Well, anyone listening, if you want more details, just drop me a message and I'm happy to give you the websites and, and links and stuff like that. So I thought, I mean, thank you first for, for giving me your time, but I think, thank you for being so honest as well. I think it's these kind of interviews only work if people are really honest. And I, I feel you've been very honest and I think this will help many people. Well, thank you, Akhil. Anything I can do, please do. Yeah. Let me and just, uh, I, I wouldn't, but my, my day job wouldn't allow me to not say this without, you know, letting you go without saying this, but what should you not be putting through your sinks? <laughs> Pouring through your sinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cooking oil, which, which is the leftover oil. Uh, people just make a huge mistake of just pour it down the sinks. Guys, please don't do that. Find uh, a container or a bottle that you're going to dispose anyway. Tip your uh, dirty oil in that and council will be very happy to collect it with the, with the rubbish. And they know how, what to do with it. It goes into recycle and it comes back uh, as a reusable thing in different forms. So let's not drain it because once it goes in the drain, it does two things. That resource is wasted, that's one thing. Uh, but we have added more expense for ourselves, which goes in the form of taxes, and it becomes a big block of fat. And Ken yeah. Water calls it fat bird. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, oh, Thames Water Clear thousands. I think it's eighty thousand blockages a year. So it's uh, oh my god, it's 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 a big problem. But I mean, just for anyone who's listening, me and Atul spent probably about seven or eight hours in a radio studio about two years ago talking about fats and oils and, and sewers right. and stuff. <laughs> but but you know what? It was useful, and we did see blockages go down a little bit then. So it, it was obviously Fantastic. useful. Fantastic. So Atul, thank you very much. Stay safe, Great, look after lot. yourself, look after your family. And um, yeah, we'll speak soon. Thanks, Akhil. Be well.